Hi, this is James Devine, and I am an educator who has come out of the trenches. Listen in as my friend and colleague Dana Goodyear shares stories and tips from other educators who have come out of the trenches. Welcome to the Out of the Trenches podcast. This is Dana Goodyear. Thanks for listening. My next guest is Dr. Donna Wyford. Donna is a distinguished professor of education and human ecology in the College of Education and Human Ecology at Ohio State University. She is also a faculty affiliate with the Kerwin Institute in the Center for Latin American Studies. Professor Ford is in the Department of Educational Studies and the Special Education Department. Dr. Ford is the creator of the Ford Female Achievement Model of Excellence, FAME. She is also a two-time board member of the National Association for Gifted Children and has served on numerous educational editorial boards such as Gifted Child Quarterly, Exceptional Children, Roper Review, Journal of Negro Education, Gifted Child Today, and Journal of Educational Psychology. Welcome to the podcast, Donna. Dana, thank you for the invitation. It's good to be here. Well, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast, and we'll talk a lot about what you've been doing uh, to uh, really increase um, enrollment in gift education uh, for students of color. But we'll start off with uh, this question I ask everybody. Tell me about a time when you were in the trenches and managed to crawl out. Well, Dana, there have been a few times, but the earliest one, which is uh, most impactful and memorable for me, is... um, Growing up in um, Cleveland and East Cleveland, Ohio, with my mother and two sisters, I'm the middle child, and we grew up on uh, public assistance. But what I want listeners um, to know or viewers to know is even though we were growing up on public assistance, my mother had high socioeconomic status values. She was determined that we all were going to do well in school. I couldn't get less than an A or a B. All right. And then so she had those high standards. She was determined that we were going to graduate from high school and that we were going to go to college. And we all have gone to college. I have my Ph.D. My two sisters have my master's degree, have a master's degree. And Dana, my mother, she got so motivated seeing us in college. She even got not just an undergraduate degree. She has a master's degree. So one thing I like to say is our zip code and our skin color is not our destiny. And just like my mother uh, promoted achievement for us and we followed suit, other families can and must do it as well. So we can, you can work your way out of poverty and not only to um, a higher income, but actually to a higher SES status, mm-hmm. socioeconomic status. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that leads a little bit into our discussion about the achievement gap and what got you interested um, once you started working at the university or was it even earlier when you were studying um, to work a lot with um, just the achievement gap and gifted underrepresentation of BIPOC students? Tell me about how, how you got started with all that. Absolutely. My um, uh, PhD was, <clears throat> excuse me, in educational psychology mm-hmm. with a focus on uh, gifted education. And I was and am passionate about the underrepresentation of Black and other mi- minoritized students in gifted and talented education, which I'll call GATE, G-A-T-E mm-hmm. from this point on. And, you know, advanced placement is AP. But um, I was just determined that um, some of the experiences that I had, because I only gave you one really 
uh, troubling experience mm -hmm. that that would not happen to minoritized students in uh, education, no less gate. So I did my dissertation on not just the achievement gap, but more specifically and concretely why uh, Black gifted students in East Cleveland, Ohio, were underachieving. Mm -hmm. So I want to make it clear, the achievement gap is usually almost always about Black students not doing as well as white students, Latinx students not doing as well as white students. The norm, in air quotes, is always how we do into white students, okay? Mm -hmm. So, um, but instead of just looking at that, which is crucial, I wanted to know, let's take a look at, let's say, Donna. I'm not comparing mm -hmm. her to white students. I want to know what is, the, how is Donna performing right now? And can she perform at a higher level? Mm -hmm. And so that's just, that's underachievement, not performing up to my uh, potential. So that's the angle that I looked at and still look at to this day. And I must add that um, the achievement gap is fueled by minoritized students being underrepresented in gate and advanced placement. And then it, it also um, is influenced by underachievement. Students losing interest in, in disengaging in school. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, for secondary schools that have uh, like IB, MIP, and AP programs, um, as we record this at the beginning of the school year, um, what can uh, educators do to increase the enrollment um, of BIPOC students in these programs? And um, you told me that you have, um, you talk, you look a lot at the blooms and bank matrix as well as the inequities and discipline. Right, so the underrepresentation of uh, minoritized students, black and Hispanics specifically, in GATE and in AP Dana, um, is influenced primarily, extensively, by teachers' low expectations, which contribute to under-referrals. Mm -hmm. So every single study, Dana, that has been done on why, on teacher referrals of Black students has found that Black, I mean, I'm sorry, has every single study that has been done on why Black students are underrepresented in GATE mm -hmm. has found that teacher referrals are the number one uh, reason. All right. So this is about attitudes, dispositions, expectations. So every study, Black students are under-referred. And in about half, Hispanic students are under-referred. So this is what I and others not just call low expectations, but deficit thinking. Mm -hmm. And my quote is, the less you know about others, the more you make up. So the less this predominantly white teaching force knows about Black and Hispanic students, the more they make up. So yeah, testing matters, but that's not the number one reason. Mm -hmm. It's, it's uh, dispositions. So we have to train um, educators. That means teachers, that means administrators, counselors, anybody working in schools. We got to train them to be anti-racist mm -hmm. and culturally responsive. Then we will get more referrals. And at the same time, we will um, dissect these tests that are being used, which I, to this day, still believe are um, biased against minoritized students, as well as any student who lives in poverty. But it starts with dispositions. 
And -hmm. until we change teachers' perceptions of Black and Hispanic students, we will always have underrepresentation and it will continue to be significant. So what do I mean by significant? Um, The last Office for Civil Rights Data is from the Civil Rights Data Collection at ocrdata.ed.gov. Again, ocrdata.ed.gov. When you you look at their um, data, it shows that, for example, Black students are 19% uh, of schools. Mm -hmm. However, we're only 10% of gifted programs. So that's almost a 50% discrepancy. Hispanic Mm -hmm. students were, I think, 26%. And then um, I believe it was 16%. Of gifted programs. So that's like a 40 something um, percent, a little under 40 percent um, discrepancy. So when we say significant, it's not just those percentages. We are talking about over a million black and brown students combined mm-hmm. who are um, not accessing gifted programs each year. And the mirror is the same in advanced placement, AP. Hmm. Hmm. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I see that all the time. Like this is, you know, like the testing you talked about, the um, under-representation, especially working in a school myself uh, with a large amount of Black and Brown students um, with a GT program um, and IB program. Uh, uh, so, you know, just making sure that, you know, the school is uh, really using um, culturally responsive pedagogy and uh, anti-racist uh, pedagogy as well. Uh, so talk to me a I'm little sorry. bit, a yeah, little I'm bit sorry. about. Let me just say something, Dana. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll, your, I'll adjust your, your next question, Dana. Um, I've been in gifted and talented education, mm-hmm. advanced placement since 1991. We're talking about mm-hmm. 32 years. 32 years, half of my life. I'm 61. All right, so 32 years. And if you were to say, well, name a school district right now sure. that um, has equity. I want to use mm-hmm. the word equity. Um, in their gate and in the AP, I can't tell you one. Mm, mm. I've done thousands of consultancies, uh, but I cannot tell you one. And that speaks volumes to how unjust this and racist this mm-hmm. problem is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so talk to me a little bit about the Blooms Banks matrix. We discussed that in the pre-chat. Um, so you talked about the six levels of Blooms and the four levels of Banks. Um, and how these quadrants um, make up uh, how we serve our students. And that question, Dana, is extremely timely mm-hmm. based mm-hmm. on what's happening in Florida and other places where they're talking about um, slavery, you know, mm-hmm. help ensure that we had a trade, et cetera. And against um, and, uh, this, this push against critical race theory, as well as against um, having AP history and more, uh, AP Black history, I'm sorry, and more. So it goes on and on and on. We don't have enough time for me to list these injustices in schools and mainly by race, not just economics. Um, But with that said, I am really um, troubled by the color blindness, which I call culture blindness, mm-hmm. that exists not only in representation, but also in the curriculum. How can we make sure that not just gifted and talented students, but all students see themselves mirrored in the curriculum, mirrored in the literature, to borrow a concept of mirroring from um, <clears throat> one of my colleagues who has retired here, uh, Sam's Bishop, 
through Dean Sims Bishop. So, how, you know, how can we make sure that minoritized children see themselves reflected in positive ways? We're mm -hmm. in the curriculum sometimes, but it's not in positive ways. It's in very racist and stereotypical ways. So, um, you know, that is my um, goal. So with that in mind, and, and I'm sorry, how can we make sure, again, to get beyond low expectations, to turn that into high expectations, that we teach at higher levels, mm -hmm. all right? We promote rigor, not what I call rigor mortis in the curriculum. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We need rigor. And before I, I describe my matrix, I want to say that um, multicultural curriculum, anti-racist curriculum, culturally responsive curriculum. I use those words interchangeably. Those are for all students, not just mm -hmm. damn white students. Mm -hmm. All right. I mean, not just damn minoritized students. They're for white students um, as well. So all students in every school district needs this curriculum. So what I did was take Bloom's taxonomy, which is just about every teacher has been exposed to those six levels, right, of how to infuse um, rigor into the curriculum. And I work with all of the levels, but the goal is to get to the top three levels. All right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> the which is analysis, evaluation, and creativity. Um, all right. So those top three levels. And then I merged those, the six levels, but really paying attention to the top three with James Banks's four levels of how mm -hmm. to use multicultural content into the curriculum. So here we're talking about contributions, which is called the four Fs, food, fun, fashion, and folklore. Mm -hmm. It promotes and reinforces stereotypes. It dehumanizes us. Then we go into additive, which is where um, teachers add multicultural content to the curriculum, but only in certain months, like Black History Month, mm -hmm. Hispanic mm -hmm. Heritage Month, all right? Um, and it's, it's more than that, but it's additive, it's temporary. Mm -hmm. And then teachers add the multicultural content into a safe way. So um, if there's a book that focuses on racism and sexism, and yes, this is at the elementary level, mm -hmm. right, too. If it focuses on both of those isms, teachers will feel comfortable, this primarily white female teaching force, will feel comfortable talking about girls can do anything they want to. So they're getting at the sexism, right? Mm -hmm. But they don't address the racism where mm -hmm. in the book, the character is black and told that she can't, you know, be, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I'm really talking about a specific book, but I don't really like naming them. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, <clears throat> excuse me. But um, so then you got the two isms, but teachers only want to address the race. I'm sorry, the um, sexism. So, mm -hmm. That is um, the um, additive level. And then those are considered low level. How do we get to transformation? And how do we get to social action? Mm -hmm. Which some people like to call James Banks' um, fourth level, the highest level, social justice. So transformation is transforming the curriculum in every day, I'm sorry, in every subject area, every day we're trying to infuse multicultural content into what we're um, teaching, okay? And then not just, you know, every day, but we don't play it safe, mm -hmm. all right? This is where, you know, um, we um, get students to really think about a topic, an issue, a population from more than one perspective, mm -hmm. all right? Mm -hmm. So with that, you're transforming thinking so that they become, you know, critical thinkers as you do at, you know, Bloom's, <clears throat> excuse me, evaluation 
level. And then the fourth level is social action. And this is where you have truly um, engaged students, empowered students, enlightened students, and more so that they um, have a social action philosophy. And if there's an opportunity, they um, they get involved in a social issue that they're passionate about, you know, that may be taking place in their school, in their classroom, in their community, even globally, you know, mm-hmm. but they are passionate and they want to do something. So I, you know, they, they're thinking about the philosophy is there, but with the older students, you know, there's more opportunity to actually implement this, not just think about it, but mm-hmm. to implement it. So my matrix combined those and it's called the Bloom Banks matrix. And it has, um, therefore, uh, 24 cells, six times mm-hmm. four, 24 mm-hmm. cells, and they're divided into four quadrants. So you have low on bloom, low on banks, very dangerous, color-coded red. Mm-hmm. Then you have high on bloom, excuse me, and low on banks. And, you know, that's caution. So it's color cake, mm-hmm. color-coded, well, like I'm dressed in yellow. <laughs> All right, caution. Mm-hmm. Then you can be, um, you know, the opposite. All right. Low on, um, I forgot what I said was quadrant two, but low on, let's say, um, banks, but high on blooms. Mm-hmm. And we we do that blue. But green, a win-win is high on banks, high on bloom. Okay. And we want for every child. All right. But within that, those uh, quadrants, you can differentiate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do, you know, do more to challenge gifted students. Mm-hmm. And um, with- this podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. People just uh, access that visual on your website then. Yeah, one um I, I have a one or more on our website at drdonawildford.com. Okay. And there's some blank matrices and there's some sample matrices that are completed. So mm-hmm. what what you do is you take a blank matrix, mm-hmm. you take a lesson plan that you've already um created or implemented and you okay, that question goes in this cell, not just a quadrant, mm-hmm. but in this cell that item goes in this sale, et cetera. So you 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 put all your material there and then you look at it and you you see, okay, hold on. I got to do a lot more with that fourth quadrant, mm-hmm. high on blooms, high on banks. So it's not something else just to do. It's your, um, you can call it a checklist if you want to, mm-hmm. um, uh, in order to make sure that you do get high, high on um, both uh, levels. And um, also the matrix is in um, a couple of my books, but the one I want to mention is um, multicultural gifted education. Mm-hmm. You can find it um, in there as well. Okay. Um, edition one and edition two. Um, so uh, you sa- said that, um, you know, you've been working with this for over 30 years and, um, you know, have you seen a little bit of uh change and recent years of teachers moving more instruction and assessment to make it more culturally responsive? Um, Has there been like the needle moving at all with maybe adding, adding SEL and things like that? 
Well, this is the frustrating thing mm-hmm. for me. When I get asked to come to a district mm-hmm. um, and, you know, do consulting or professional development or, you know, formal evaluation, mm-hmm. I rarely um, get to see the fruits of my labor. Mm-hmm. So um, it's like drive by professional development yeah. sets me and more. So that's why, like I said earlier, I can't tell you a school that is doing uh, well. All right. Including here in the state of Ohio. I've been back here for four years. I was in um, Nashville for 15 years. I couldn't I don't recall a school uh, then that I could name. And even if I couldn't name them now, they may have regressed um, since then. Okay, so um, as a needle move, not in representation, I can't really say what teachers are doing in the classroom because I talk about we need to recruit minoritized students, meaning desegregate gate and AP. We also need to retain. What are we going to do once students have been placed, excuse me, you know, in gate and in AP? So um, I like to be optimistic and say that there is some change, but I'm not witnessing it. And um, in all of my years, you know, as you said, 30, over 30, little over 30 years, um, I don't see demographics changing much for Black students. There's been some improvement for Hispanic students. Asian students every year are overrepresented overrepresented. So there's high expectations teacher have of them, you know, that model minority stereotype. So when Asians don't do well, there's concern. When Black students don't do well, it's like, well, I'm not surprised. We got to get rid of that thinking. There's, There's no place for that in education. So no, I'm not seeing much change. And I don't like to be pessimistic like this with your um, listeners, but I just don't. So what I like them to do is look at their own data for gifted and talented education, look at their data for advanced placement, look at suspension and expulsion, look at special education. Um, And if you don't have quick access to that, go to ocrdata.ed.gov and you can look at your school building, you can look at your school district, and you can get um, national reports as well that are already um, have already been written by, say, OCR or um, NCES, National Center for Educational Statistics, and so forth. All right. Okay. So. Okay. I'll definitely put that in the show notes uh, so people can access that. Um, in the bio, I mentioned that you founded FAME, which is Female Achievement Model for Excellence. So talk to me a little bit about this program and how many young women have benefited from it. So um, as I mentioned earlier with the children's um, book, when I was describing um, banks, mm-hmm. uh, I do believe that mainly because it's a female teaching force, um, educators are doing much better, including counselors, mm-hmm. um, addressing um, empowerment of girls uh, academically and vocationally, career-wise, okay? So, excuse me, when I, so when, as I think about, you know, your question, I think about, you know, feminism uh, movement as well. Um, It wasn't created with minoritized people in mind. And so um, I am really thinking about just two things with the fame model, these larger ideas. And one is addressing feminism. Okay. And then the other is addressing um, racial identity and Mm -hmm. pride. So, 
I I look at so I I just believe that um, you do better when you love the skin you are in. Mm-hmm. You do better when even if a boy <clears throat> or a girl doesn't like you because you're doing well, you're mm-hmm. like them. I don't give a damn. I could care less. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. how I've always been. It's your loss if you don't like me because I'm smart, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. by the way, thank you for not approaching me because I don't like you because you don't like me because I'm smart, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, my hair is naturally long, um, I, but when I turned 18, I cut my hair. I couldn't stand it because I only thought boys liked me because my hair, hair was long. So it's still real short uh, to this day. And if if someone approaches me and says, you know what, you're you're attractive, but I usually like girls with long hair. Get out of my face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you like long hair, grow your own damn hair. And yes, I do curse. Grow your own hair. Get out of my face. I'm not mm-hmm. going to get a weave or grow mm-hmm. my hair out so that you like me. And thank mm-hmm. you for letting me know. Adios. Goodbye. Good riddance. Mm-hmm. So I want uh, minoritized girls to have this attitude of loving the skin they're mm-hmm. in, as well as having a pride about being um, intelligent and mm-hmm. a high achiever, you know, having goals for yourself, um, being uh, focused, all right, mm-hmm. and um, so forth. So um, with those two major um, themes in mind, um, I created this, the FAME model, the female achievement model uh, for excellence. And it's, a, you know, it's about your attitudes and about yourself, your views about yourself. It focuses on social issues and, you know, how you can um, manage those. Of course, the focus is on academics. We want you at the highest level of performance and, and so on. So, um, but it's the, that um, has been written up with me and one of my colleagues, Tanya Middleton. Mm-hmm. But it's also, the model is on my website again, drdonnawyford.com. Okay, okay. And then um, you uh, have worked with uh, students uh, during institutes um, every summer leading up to maybe the pandemic, and you're planning on running another GT Institute uh, in 2024? Right. Um, So I've run several institutes on the male version, the scholar model with um, Whiting. Um, but just when I had, was about to implement, um, Institute for Girls pandemic hit, and I'm okay. proud to say that I wrote an internal grant for my college and it got approved for me to do that. And then the pandemic has hit. And I know that, um, you know, we're still recovering. It's going to be for a long time. So I'm trying to really, um, let schools bounce back a little bit more so that um, then when things are more, um, you know, organized and mm-hmm. maybe consistent, then I can start working with um, the girls um, again. And the focus will be on, you know, race, racial identity, um, racial pride, but it's also going to be on academic identity and pride. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So talk to me a little bit about the uh, the Black males uh, promoting a scholar identity with uh, Dr. Gilman Whiting that you've also worked with in terms of this uh, scholar identity model in the mm-hmm. nine characteristics um, of a school that tailors yes, to so black I, males. Sure. Um, I, I think the first, the model was created by Whiting um, in 2000, maybe a little bit before 2006, but I think our first institute 
was in 2006. We had about 100 uh, Black males from fifth grade to 12th grade who came on Vanderbilt's uh, campus. Um, and it was, um, they came there daily, all right? It wasn't residential. So they came there um, daily. And we focused on the nine constructs of Whiting's um, scholar identity model, which I should say I also used to create fame, but I added female things to mm -hmm. it, okay? And more attitude, no. But anyway, so there's nine constructs. And so they came there um, for 10 days. Each day we focused on a construct and we were there, um, I believe from like eight till two or three mm -hmm. each, each day for two weeks. And the model, um, that too is on my website with two articles, all right? So the model has those nine constructs. And um, like one of the constructs is um, self-efficacy. Mm -hmm. So how can we get black males or males of color and of course females to um, have, have this sense of agency? Mm -hmm. I want to do well. I'm going to do well in spite of. All right. Mm -hmm. So um, and then so we teach them about Albert Bandura, who's a theorist. Mm -hmm. We introduce the model. We have them have some discussion, then do some uh, some quick, um, you know, like 10 minute um products um, that they uh, show us so that we make sure that they understand that construct. So it's, it's future orientation. So it's, it's um, self-efficacy, which is mm -hmm. agency. It's future orientation. It is um, need for achievement, being greater than need for affiliation. Uh, it is um, masculinity, not taking mm -hmm. away anything, um, but it's like, like boys, masculinity, it's okay to carry a book. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be the top student. It's mm -hmm. okay to be in gifted and talented programs or advanced placement. It's okay that you like to read more than you even like sports. And that's mm -hmm. what we talk about when it's, when it's about masculinity, mm -hmm. not you know, gender orientation or sexual orientation, anything uh, like that. Um, we teach them racial pride using William Cross's uh, model. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I'm not going in the order of the constructs. I don't have it in front of me. I'm just going, you know, by uh, memory. And I did not keep track of how many I named just now. But you can find all nine plus some short videos on uh, my website. And, and Whiting has taken the scholar identity model um, nationwide and out of the United States as well. Mm -hmm. I remember, I think um, uh, he has gone to India several times. Oh, neat, neat. As one yeah. example. Okay. Mm -hmm. And this this institute has this been back up and running um since 2019 or is this still on hold as well? I, I think it's been up and running. Okay. Um from Whiting at Vanderbilt. I've okay. not participated. Okay. Okay. Um, and you let me know in the pre-chat that you're currently working on an update to your 2010 multicultural education edition. So um, uh, let me know when that will be out and if you're working on any other publications in the next year. Yeah, I want to get that multicultural gifted education uh, third edition out and mm -hmm. third edition also for reversing underachievement among gifted Black students. Again, that focused on my dissertation, but I, you know, I like to keep it updated and uh, relevant, focusing on not just the achievement gap, which um, underrepresentation 
fuels the achievement gap. Underachievement fuels the achievement gap, okay? Not having access to advanced courses contributes to this you know, major black-white or brown-white um, achievement gap. Um, and by the way, I, I know I mentioned this earlier, but I didn't dig into it, and I know there may not be time, but um, overrepresentation in special education mm-hmm. and overrepresentation mm-hmm. with discipline, those fuel, those contribute to, those exacerbate the black, white, and brown, white achievement uh, gaps. Mm-hmm. They're also mm-hmm. called not just gaps, those are traps, because mm-hmm. once you are uh, you know, in these uh certain categories of special education and once you're um a low achiever and an underachievement who's there to support you if if there are racist ideologies mm-hmm. 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 yeah and that, that's like you said it's a it, there there's a, a it's a trap more than a gap in in terms of the, the discipline and special education um so when can people expect that uh third edition to be out well, I hope that um, for both of those, I'll get them submitted by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Then it'll take a few months. So it will be a 2024. They will be 2024 publications, but they'll be out, um, I'm hoping, um, early within mm-hmm. the first three months of mm-hmm. uh, 2024. Okay. Well, we've had a great conversation today about uh, your work and your research and the different models that you've used. Um out of everything we've uh, talked about today, uh, what's one thing you would like listeners to remember? Um, well, I didn't talk about this, but mm-hmm. I want to say that um, I was an ABC, a better chance student. Mm-hmm. I got a scholarship to go to this private high school um, in a Cleveland uh, suburb. I could have gone to hundreds of schools, but mm-hmm. I never really traveled. So I wanted to stay home. But anyway, that this one teacher destroyed me so much. I went into that school thinking I was black and beautiful, black and brilliant, mm-hmm. going to do well in spite of being low income. I mean, this was my chance to fulfill the American dream. This mm-hmm. one teacher tore me to shreds mm-hmm. and trigger alert. I mean, I really do mean trigger alert. As strong as I am, well, I mean, was then and I was I became suicidal, Dana. Wow. I just thought it was me against the world. Um, there were not many blacks in that school and I just couldn't, they, I was accused of theft almost seemed like daily mm-hmm. accused of cheating. If I did higher than the white, uh, high, uh, wealthy girls, not just high income, but wealthy. And it just destroyed me. I, I won't go into details, but you could, that was, um, 1976 mm-hmm. replaced 1976 with 2023 and this is still damn happening now Mm -hmm. and so that is what drives me to uh, why I'm so um, prolific as a writer and prolific as a speaker and outspoken I am not going to be silent and I Mm -hmm. hope that your listeners understand do not be a damn bystander Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. don't be a bystander you are being taught to be an advocate you are being employed to be an advocate for your minoritized students and so you need to earn that damn paycheck Mm -hmm. right so my message is you can do better you must do better or dana they need to leave the profession Mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. place for the for sexism, classism, racism, 
um, in schools. You need to get out because you should do no harm. So I grew up, and I'll end with this. I grew up on TV, watching TV, and um, all the time, the United Negro College Fund had these Mm -hmm. commercials. And it said, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. And I'm like, I'm smart, and I'm going to do well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do well. You know, I'm not going to waste this. You know, I've been blessed. And, um, but in this field of gifted education, this elitist field of gifted education, this classes field, this racist field, I see students like myself who gave up in the 10th grade. Mm-hmm. And my son had issues as well when he was in school, primarily um, elementary. But I, I, I flipped that mind is a terrible thing to waste from the United Negro College Fund, Dana. Mm-hmm. And I say as a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what I see happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so important to remember. And just like you said, it's it's still happening. Um, there are students that are experiencing the same thing that you experienced in 1976 still today. And Dana, yeah. it happened not just in person, it happened on Zoom. There was policing mm-hmm. bodies on Zoom by teachers, mm-hmm. you know, as well. So, you know, you have to watch and make sure certain things are in, not in your background mm-hmm. or teachers are calling the police um, on you and more. Mm-hmm. So um, we've got a lot of work to do. We've mm-hmm. got a lot of work to do. And I, I am not being a pessimist. I'm being an optimist. And I'm saying when you get this extensive ongoing, real, authentic uh, professional development, as well as um, courses while you're getting your degree or getting your certificate and so forth. When you get, you will be not just a better person, you will be a better um, educator for Mm -hmm. all of your students, not just some. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, where can people connect with you and find you online? Well, I'm at um, the Ohio State University and the College of Education and Human Ecology. Um, but online, uh, and, and I have my personal website, which I just mentioned, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Twitter. I've got the other, the new threads, I'm on threads okay. and I'm on Instagram, but I'm primarily on um, Facebook for some reason. That's mm-hmm. what I post more um, about and on. Okay, great, great. I'll make sure. I I, not, by the way, and I'm sorry, Dan, I just use my name, Donna Y. Ford. Make sure you use the middle initial Y. Okay. Then- I'll make sure I include that in the show notes along with your website. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be on the Out of the Trenches podcast. Uh, we had a great conversation today about your work and it really hits a tone. And I hope uh, teachers will uh, really advocate for their students, like you said, and you know, not all the districts or schools are providing this type of professional development. It's important that teachers go out there and uh, find the resources themselves to um, really help move uh, the needle forward with this achievement gap. Yep, self-advocacy. You're right. And uh, yes, the achievement gap and the achievement trap. Thank you so much. Check out the show notes on danagoodier.com to learn more about this guest and links to their social media. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you download this podcast. Tell your friends and colleagues about it, and if this episode resonates especially with you, be sure to share it out on social media and tag me at Out of Trenches PC. Mm-hmm.